Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you about the case of Cody Legibuckoff. Today I am drinking the chestnut praline latte from Starbucks. And I am drinking coconut milk and cranberry juice mixed together, and it is also delicious. Sounds good. Sounds like a pink drink. Kind of tastes like a pink drink. (laughs) All right. Pour yourselves a cup or a glass or a mug or a bottle or whatever you're (laughs) drinking. And let's dive in. We will continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly, but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support. This is a case involving Cody Legibakoff and I am not going to say his name any more times because I don't know if I'm saying it right and I apologize if I did not pronounce it right but I just went with what I could go with so I will be referring to him as Cody for the rest of this episode just to save some humiliation for myself and I don't know that it's really that relevant but full disclosure I was like looking into episodes or cases to cover for this episode rather And I was toying around with the idea of doing a bunch of cases that had plot twist and I'm not covering it, but there's a story that I'm just going to give you a brief overview of that I was going to cover because I thought it was kind of crazy. I think it was in... So we get two stories for the price of one today? You get two. The first one is like me just saying what I remember from what I read for the first part. Our story that we're talking about today takes place in Canada and so did this story. So it made me think of it. But there is this woman that went on a walk with her dog and she walked through the woods and she was down by a river or something and she didn't come back. And it turns out they found her body and she had been beaten to death and they immediately arrest her husband. And he actually spent like 10 days in jail until they finally were able to determine that a moose had killed her. Oh, my yeah that and poor man i know i you lose your wife and then it, it reminded me of the australian case where the lady went to prison because they thought she k- killed her baby but it was a dingo turned out to be a dingo and it's like that is already a horrific tragedy and then you add that on top of it yeah that's crazy anyway that's been on my mind today so i just wanted to share that with y'all i also saw a video about a guy who saved a baby moose from getting attacked by a bear and then raised it and released it back in the wild and it would come back and hang out at his house and get food and give him kisses so i'm giving you three stories today i have mixed emotions about mooses today is it moose moose meese mice most most I don't know, man. I think it's Plural? just, it's either moose or meese. Of. I know it's not mooses. Moose. Moose. Then why isn't it goose? I don't know. I did not invent the English language. I actually kind of hate it. Yeah, Hoover did kind of sucks. Okay. I am anyway. really bad at it. I hope you guys like our tangents. If not, we lost some people there and I apologize. Back to our story. So, Cody was a blonde hair, blue eyed. He was a pretty typical Canadian kid. He liked to play sports. He 
played hockey, snowboarded. Um, he had friends. He was known by the community. I don't think I, I said Canada, but he grew up in northern British Columbia and he grew up hunting and fishing with his family. Pretty normal. He ended up graduating high school in 2008. And after he graduated from high school, he moved to Alberta, spent a year working there and then ended up moving back to Fort St. James, which is near where he grew up. So when he moved back, he lived in a house with some of his friends. And then in late summer 2009, he ended up living in the basement suite of another home with, I believe it was three friends. He was relatively active on the internet at this point, 2009. So it's kind of starting to take off a little bit more. It's more normal. We're not having to use as much, you know, like dial up to get on there. And there was a Canadian social networking site called Nixopia, Nixopia. And he was on that as well, meeting people, connecting with friends. Now, flash forward to November 27, 2010. There is a rookie RCMP officer who was driving down Highway 27 around 9.45 p.m. And he was actually on his way to drop off some evidence to a fellow officer. And he sees this 2004 GMC pickup truck speeding erratically from this old logging road, driving kind of crazy. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to pull them over because they're driving recklessly. I got to see what's up. And it ends up being Cody. And another officer ends up arriving too. And they are checking in to see if Cody's possibly drunk or under the influence of something. And when they're looking in his truck, they see a multi-tool and a wrench that's covered in blood. They also find some other items that I'll come back to in a second. But the officers are like, hey man, what's up? Why do you have blood on you? And he basically said, oh, I was out poaching and shot a deer and it was still alive, so I ended up clubbing it to death. I'm guessing the poaching was illegal at the time. It probably wasn't a hunting season. And that was enough for them to arrest him anyway under, I think it was the Canadian wildlife law or something like that. Their version of hunt during hunting season in designated areas. But additionally, in his truck, they see a backpack that had a monkey on it a phone that was not his and a wallet and in it there was a children's hospital card and it had the name Lauren Leslie on it and of course this is raising red flags and what the officer does is he's like we're gonna follow up on this and he calls in a local game warden and says hey can you do some tracking because we have this situation we're seeing the truck's route back up the road and we're going to follow these footprints that are supposedly left by Cody. Did he claim where he had left this deer? Uh, I don't know if he really said, but it was snowy, so they were able to just follow the tracks. So he probably just said somewhere up there. I don't know. I don't know that there was a good way for him to lie his way out of something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting it not to be a deer, but I was just more curious what his explanation to the police officers were, like if he had explained that part too. And so they go up the road and they end up finding a girl's remains. And they're able to identify her as 15-year-old Lauren Leslie, which matched 
the stuff that was found in Cody's truck. This isn't looking good for Cody. Uh, no, that's about as guilty as you can get right there. But yeah, other and, than catching somebody in the physical act. Yeah, this is, this is about as guilty. You'll you'll begin to latch on to a theme with Cody and you'll find out later. They reach out to Lauren's family to notify them and try to get an idea of what happened here. And what they find out was that she was a 15 year old. Um, she was known as a very, very sweet person who really liked to help others. And she additionally was considered legally blind. Um, I think one of her eyes was totally blind and the other was 50% blind. So another thing that'll come up is, you know, it's seeming like Cody is taking advantage of her. What they find out from going through the phone is that Cody had actually been in contact with Lauren on that social media app I told you guys about. Cody obviously can't really deny this. And so what he says is that he picked her up, they had sex, and that after that, he claimed she, quote, had gone crazy, end quote, and started hitting herself with a pipe. And police are like, no. What? <laughs> yeah. He I, just claimed that that was his def- that was his story, was that she lost her mind, grabbed the pipe, and started attacking herself? Yeah, he's basically death? trying to say that she was committing suicide. I No, I get what he's attempting to say. I'm just more confused as, that, as to why that's the story that he... Our police officers said to him, no, we're going to charge you with first degree murder. <laughs> okay. I like these police officers. Thank you. <clears throat> and okay. So now this is obviously a pretty violent crime. There is the sexual assault involved. There's the murder involved. She's 15 years old and they want to start looking into Cody and something that I want to mention because they come up together often. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the Highway of Tears murders. There is this stretch of highway in Canada that is on uh, Yellowhead Highway 16 from Prince Rupert to Prince George in British Columbia. And it is characterized as a place that has some poverty and it's also noted that a lot of people hitchhike there and there's actually been a lot of women a lot of those that were indigenous as well that have disappeared or been murdered along this highway they know at least 18 but they're sure there's more in this dates from 1969 to 2006 of course this comes up they're a little concerned could cody be our guy but they start looking at the age matchup and it doesn't make sense because he is only he was like 19 or 18 at the time that this happened in 2010. So he would have been quite young to be involved. Police, while dismissing the connection with this, they do decide, as you would do in a murder case, they're going to search Cody's residence and see if there's anything else that they can take to trial. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Now... While police are ruling out that Cody is in connection to some of those crimes, 
there are some other women that have either gone missing or been murdered that police start to look at. And so I'm going to go through those really quick. I do think that it's kind of crazy that he's 19 and you're telling me that there are multiple potential women that he's murdered. And obviously this one was a very brutal murder. And so I'm assuming the other ones are probably similar. Yeah. And so I'm just, you don't normally hear of, I'm assuming that these are all, or some of them are going to relate back to him. You don't normally hear of 19 year old serial killers. Right. To Erica's point and you all listen to true crime. So you're probably drawing the same conclusions that he is likely connected to some of these people. And he's actually at the time, I guess I don't know in the past 10 years, but he was known as one of Canada's youngest serial killers ever on record. As Erica mentioned, there's some brutality in this and that is a theme that comes along. So just a heads up and a forewarning for you all. The next women I'm going to tell you about though, they differ from the MO that had to do with Lauren because Lauren was just, well, she was 15, a seemingly pretty normal kid. She had vision issues, which people point to saying it made her a little bit more vulnerable. And that's the same theme with these other women. Um, they all were involved with drugs and the sex trade. You can think of that as you will, but it does put you in more vulnerable situations. The first woman I'm going to tell you about is Jill Stachenko. Uh, I believe she was 35 in 2009 and she was a mom. She had six kids and her family said she was a pretty great person. She was a talented singer. Unfortunately, you know, she got into a life that was a little bit more high risk. She went missing in October 2009, and then three days later, she was found in a shallow grave in a gravel pit off Otway Road near Foothills Boulevard. An autopsy revealed that she had been basically beaten to death. She had a lot of lacerations to her face and fractures to her skull. Uh, Additionally, they did say that she fought back. She had bruising on her forearms which would point to her trying to ward off the attacker. They also found evidence of sexual assault. The next woman I'm going to tell you about is Cynthia Mass. She was 35 years as well. Last seen September 10th in 2010. And her body ended up being found in Prince George Park the following month. She additionally had died from blunt force trauma to the head, and she also had some penetrating wounds. She also had some really intense injuries that would correlate with somebody stomping on her. I am noticing that all of these are pretty close together, like timeline wise. Yes. Yeah. And all of the, at least these later three that I'm telling you about, were all last seen and likely murdered within a 10 month period. It just seems fast. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, that he was could have been 18 when he started killing, too, which is wild. Yes, absolutely. And then the last woman I'm going to tell you about is Natasha Montgomery. She was last seen August 31st or early September 1st, 2010. She's 23 years old. She had two kids and she lived in Quesnel, British Columbia. Her family did say that she was close to her children and her family, Now, something different about her is that her body has never been found. 
I'm gonna tell you about later why she's still considered to be connected to Cody. As I mentioned earlier, they were all pretty vulnerable. They all were drug users who ended up in the sex industry. And at this time, when police start looking into them more, they are able to connect these deaths or disappearance and deaths with Cody. Now, as I mentioned, they were looking into Cody's house and they were, you know, looking around, looking for evidence. And they were actually able to connect him DNA wise to all of these women. When you say that they were able to connect him DNA wise to all these women, they were able to take his DNA and connect it to their crime scenes or when they searched his house, they found their DNA in his house. Put a pin in that. I am going to tell you that here in just a little bit. So on October 17, 2011, he does get charged with three more counts of first degree murder. And this is for these three women. And that is Natasha Montgomery, Cynthia Moss and Jill Sachenko. On June 2nd, 2014, Cody's trial began in Prince George. And as I mentioned, he is being charged with four counts of first degree murder. Well, he's on trial, so obviously he put in a not guilty plea. And his his defense slash his counsel's defense, he says that, yeah, I, I was there when all the women died. Well, the three women, he has a harder... It's a little different when he's talking about Lauren Leslie. But the other three women, he says, I was there when they died, but I didn't kill them. The people I was with did claiming that it had to do with drug related stuff and that he didn't name these people. He called them, they referred them as X, Y, and Z, but he was saying they were the ones who actually carried out the murders. Did the judge and jury tell them they don't believe him? Because I don't believe him. Yeah. Well, he also, and then as I mentioned earlier, he says that Laura and Leslie just flipped out and like killed herself. And basically they're trying to enter a plea saying that he will plead guilty to four counts of second degree murder, which is denied. I like this judge. Yeah. Judge and prosecution are like, absolutely not. From what I could tell, prosecution kind of walked all over and they had reason to. And with that, I'm going to get into some of the evidence. Now, as I mentioned, when Cody had moved back, he lived in two places. And so they actually were able to check out both of these places. And when they went to the one he had currently been living in, the basement suite, they found a large amount of blood on the couch that he'd actually taken with him from the other location he lived at. And I'll likely share a photo. There is quite a bit on there. In addition to that, They find blood on an axe in his home and they find blood on a pipe wrench, a pick a room, which is kind of like a pickaxe, a multi-tool, some of his shoes, some of his pants, some of his socks, and on, I think it was the baseboard in the home as well. I don't know why I always try to make sense of what these insane people are saying, but if we go with what he's saying, that the people that he was with murdered these three women he just is saying that they murdered him and then he picked up their weapons and brought them home for what purpose to make himself look guilty yeah is that did, did he have an explanation as i mentioned earlier there's a another theme with this and with cody and it's that he is not luckily for us he's not good at hiding evidence <laughs> what really i thought he'd been doing so well this up to this point Yeah. In addition, sarcasm, if you guys didn't catch that, they also find blood in his truck 
and they find blood on a bedsheet, comforter, box spring, and mattress. That blood, they do match to Natasha Montgomery, the body that was never found. And that's how they were able to connect her disappearance, what they claim is a murder, to him. So at what point does Cody realize this ain't looking good for him? Because I feel like this is... I mean, there's no way he's getting out of this. You know, and I'm getting, I mean, maybe we're getting ahead a little bit, but one of the things the judge says at the end is that he doesn't seem to show any remorse. There is a comment from his grandpa that said he he seemed really normal and something and then how it transitioned and like he's kind of seeming like a psychopath. Yeah. Well, Abby's been telling the story. I looked up a picture of him because I am a visual and I like to know what people look like and we'll post pictures of him i assume on our instagram page and he definitely like you could just his eyes you can see it i feel like i don't know with the blood evidence they find they are able to find blood evidence of the other women as well connected to cody um what they decide or they conclude or what the prosecution puts out i guess is that he likely murdered jill stachenko in his basement suite And there's also a good chance that he also murdered Natasha Montgomery there as well by evidence of blood on the bed and whatnot. Her blood was kind of found around the apartment and on the axe. And so the prosecution thinks that he likely dismembered her to try to hide her body better. They then conclude that basically because of the blood evidence and everything that happened when he ended up killing Cynthia Moss that it I'm not sure if they determined if Cynthia Moss was killed in his apartment or somewhere else what they determined was the reason that he attacked Lauren Leslie and murdered her elsewhere is because he was trying to leave evidence in a different location other than his apartment. Additionally, all the women, as you could have picked up on, they were murdered in a similar manner, and I guess their bodies were positioned in a similar manner as well. Now, as I mentioned, he never gave any names of these other men that supposedly were involved or responsible. They also found no forensic evidence of anybody else involved. Now, not that, you know, we obviously have a pretty good deal of evidence just with the DNA forensic evidence, but additionally, prosecution showed a video of an interview that was recorded with Cody and the police after he was arrested for the murder of Lauren, and he even kind of goes back and forth because he first says he doesn't know who she is. Prosecution showed a video of an interview that was recorded with police after Lauren's murder between police and Cody, in which he first says that he doesn't know her and then eventually goes, okay, I knew her and we met up and had sex. And then, you know, as he says, she she killed herself. But he also admits to hitting her at least twice. So he really didn't help himself with that either. And in addition, his roommates come forward and testify that they remember seeing blood on the couch in the basement and they even identified a lot of the weapons and evidence as Cody's. So essentially, I mean, there's not a lot of doubt in a lot of people's minds. I would assume yours as well. But the jury does end up convicting him or finding him guilty on all four counts of first degree murder. 
they do suspect that maybe there's some other people who he could have murdered or at least sexually assaulted yet although they don't have any ties or dna to tie him to any others but he was found guilty and the judge did sentence him to life sentences that would run concurrently and he's not possible for parole for at least 25 years thanks to listening to this week's episode of crime over coffee you can find us on instagram at crime over coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.